As someone who's generated 3.5 million in sales and who's taken over 4,000 one-to-one sales calls selling nothing less than $10,000 offers, here's the bare minimum I'm looking for to ensure the best chances of having a one-call close. And not only having a one-call close, but having that close happen in the first 20 to 30 minutes. Pirates have long fascinated the minds of men. Rebellious, adventurous, and free-spirited, they carve their own path in the world. After serving 10 years in the Navy, I've learned directly from some of the most savvy marketers in the game. My name is Ben Perry, and welcome to the Pirate Marketing Podcast. There's certain things that need to happen in order for you to be able to make sure that you check all the boxes in your mind to make sure that you're not only serving the prospect that's in front of you, but you're also figuring out what are the different things that might be preventing them from being able to move forward. You gotta know that after having taken over 4,000 sales calls, there's plenty of people who have the best of intentions, they want help, but their fear gets in the way. Or it's just a little bit of uncertainty, aka also fear, and how do you how do you handle that? How do you help them to be able to think clearly at the end of the call in order to help them make the best powerful decision for them? So there's 10 things that I'm looking for in the back of my mind whenever I'm talking to a prospect. And those 10 things are, one, what is the problem? Two, what have you done to solve the problem? Three, why not do it yourself? Four, have you got help before? Five, What would be the ideal criteria you're looking for in a solution? Six, what are the tangible and emotional benefits from having the outcome that you're looking for? Seven, what happens if you do nothing? What is your cost of inaction? Eight, why do anything about this now? Nine, go through the pitch. And 10, the objections. So this is a very bare minimum that I'm looking for. Now, each one of these, we can go deeper, we can probe and we can clarify. And if you're looking for a really good video on probing and clarifying, then you can click the button up here. I have a card somewhere around here where I dive deep into what are the different ways that you need to be doing in order to ensure that you are probing and clarifying like a well-seasoned sales rep because there's a lot of things that you know I could give you the main points but sales is in the nuances and so in order to get to those nuances you need to be able to probe and to clarify so check that video out I'm figuring out number 1 what is the actual problem if there is no problem then there's really no reason for us to be able to have this conversation in the first place because the entire call is just a nice friendly chat with somebody if there's no clear problem that is uh that's laid out. Now, this becomes a little tricky, especially whenever you're you're talking to friends or you're talking to people that know you, but you know, maybe they knew you like a couple of years ago and now they're kind of interested in what you're doing. And they're like, hey, no, I was just wanting a little bit more information about you know your thing. Like, hey, well, that's that's all well and good, and I appreciate that. But I guess like what has you taking time out of your day? to jump on this call, like what's going on. And if they're not willing to tell you what the actual problem is, then you're not in a sales call. You're not in an enrollment conversation um, because without them telling themselves the truth about what's really going on, there's nothing you can do to really help anyway. So that's why that is the first, first question. The second thing that I want to know is what have you done to solve this problem? Like, 
what are your current efforts to be able to find a solution to this? Because whatever it is that you're doing right now, it can't be working that well if we're having this conversation. So I just want to know, like, what have you done? What is the current situation? Third thing I want to know is why not just do this by yourself? I mean, you could do it by yourself. There's nothing stopping you from doing that. The reason I want to know this is because there are tons of sales reps who've been burned by people who say, you know, this sounds really great. I think I'm just going to go and do this by myself. And in order to prevent something like this from coming up, you need to ask them, well, why not just do this by yourself? Why not just continue doing it the way that you have been doing it? And then they get to tell you about why they're actually looking for help. And when they tell you, they not only tell you, they're also telling themselves, which is more powerful because if you say it, it's BS. If they say it, then it's truth. Four, have you got help before? And if you have, what happened? Were you able to get some results? Do you were you were you not able to get results? And if you haven't reached out to somebody else before, why not? I want to know what the situation is. Have you been burned before? I also want to know that because if somebody has been burned before and that might become an objection at the end, hey, this is really great, but I have a bad experience. I don't know if I really want to do this. So you can get these things prior to you making the pitch um, so that you can be able to handle them. Because the way that I see it, objections are like wet cement pre pitch pre you making the offer. So you can go and you can ask questions, you can uh, handle, or you can uncover things that they probably wouldn't voluntarily tell you at the end um, because they're still malleable and, and their defenses aren't totally up. They're not in fear. It's like somebody creating a sidewalk, right? They're laying down the cement you going by and making sure that you're scraping the sidewalk, making sure that it's nice and flat, making sure that there's not any areas that are bubbled up or somebody could trip over. That's the way that I see pre-handling objections. Because if you wait until after you've made the pitch to ask these questions, then it's like trying to mold hard cement. You just can't do it. You're going to end up breaking something. Okay. It's so much easier to be able to ask these questions prior to the pitch. Five. What would be the ideal criteria that you're looking for in a solution? So like, what do you actually want? And then now, based off of what they tell us, we can be able to customize the pitch based on what they told us. And it surprises me how many you know people actually don't do this. Um, so, so easy. Just make sure, hey, what are you actually looking for? Six, what are the tangible and emotional benefits from achieving the actual thing, the vision that you have, right? So if sales is, you know, frustration and imagination, if sales is, hey, I'm on pain island and this is heaven island over here, I'm over here in pain, I want to get over here to pleasure, what does that actually look like? And what will that do for you? And the thing that I've seen is that there's a lot of newbie sales reps mostly um, who they get very uncomfortable asking the uncomfortable questions. Like they're very good at keeping it about the business. But when it comes to diving into the actual emotional part, which if you've been in sales, you know, at all for one day, 
Like rule number one is like people make decisions emotionally and then they justify with logic. You have to be willing to go there. You have to be willing to be able to ask those slightly awkward, uncomfortable questions in order to make sure that you're actually uncovering and getting the truth on the table, which is why I say use the doctor framework. The doctor framework works wonders because you can't be squeamish to ask the uncomfortable questions. And when you adopt the doctor framework, basically doctors are not only expected to ask the uncomfortable questions, they're encouraged. They want you to. And so if you're able to take this mindset going into your sales calls, then you're able to ask those questions. And quite honestly, if you think it's a big deal to be asking these questions, then they're going to think it's a big deal. If you think it's a big deal, whatever number your offer is, the person on the other end is going to think that it's a big deal. So make sure that you're not projecting your own limiting beliefs onto your prospect. So that's number six. Number seven, what is the cost of inaction? What happens if you do nothing? And a lot of people, they don't want to go here. They don't want to admit to themselves, like, what's actually going to happen if they fail? Because most people are compartmentalizing their problems in so much, have been doing it for so long that they've numbed themselves to the actual pain. And I can't tell you the amount of people that I've talked to that they look exactly like the dog in the burning building saying, this is fine. This is fine. Things aren't actually that bad. No, no, no. Or, uh, you know what? Like, I'm just going to pray about it. I'm just going to, uh, you know, let God, you know, kind of like, you know, determine whether it is I, I'm success, whether I'm successful or not. You know, they'll have all of these really good justifications for why things aren't bad enough for them to actually get help. And this is prior to you even making you an offer. Sometimes this is prior to you even telling them what the actual price of the investment is. And so, you know, it's, it's good to dive deep here and to figure out what somebody's cost of an action is because without two things, without the cost of an action and without getting a, an affirmation that yes, this thing can help me, you have no ammo, you have no protection, you have no defense to be able to uh, objection handle. These two things are the most important things to get. Because if you don't understand what it's costing somebody to stay where they're at by their own admission, then you don't really have a prayer to be able to objection handle. And so we'll get to that here in a second. The next question, number eight, is why now? Why do you want to do it now? Like you could wait. And there's a reason why we kind of wait to ask the why now question. I put it after I'm asking them, what happens if you do nothing about this? Because if I try to ask why now earlier on in the sales conversation, it kind of triggers the, well, what is it that you do? I don't really understand what it is that you do. So I'm holding that card and that's the last card that I play before I make the pitch because that is... There's certain questions that will induce somebody to go, well, hold on. Well, what is it that you do, right? When you're trying to do your diagnosis. So save that for the last question you ask because it's like, why now? 
And do you even have time with everything that you've got going on right now? Because that could also be another potential objection. Number nine is the pitch. I'm going to make them the pitch. I'm going to customize the pitch. If you've got a very involved coaching offer, do not overcook the pitch. So the pitch should be the what, but then you withhold the how until they actually ask. Because once they ask, now you can start to feed that information and you can kind of gauge where they're at. I made a video uh, about pizza and sales. Um, I'll link it up right here or somewhere around here where I really talk about, hey, like the pitch is kind of like a pizza where somebody might just want a cheese pizza. And you'd be like, hey, here's the cheese pizza. Do you want this? And they might say, yes, I absolutely want this. And you didn't have to go into the whole rigmarole, the whole song and dance of we do this and then we do this and we do this and we do this and we do this. They might just be like, hey, that sounds great. How can I move forward? So you pace the pitch and everything that's going to happen and you let them ask the how. But if you just give everything all at once, then what happens is you have a big block of text where you're talking, 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 talking. And then the person on the other line is saying one or two words. Don't do this because... This is like you taking off in an airplane. You think that person is with you, but you left them on the ground. So you need to make sure that you're getting their verbal agreement on each one of your pillars as you go through the pitch. Once you get done with the pitch, then the last thing you have is objections. And again, what I was saying before is you can't really effectively objection handle until you've got somebody's cost of an action and you have their verbal agreement that the offer can help them solve their problem. Without those two things, you really don't have a leg to stand on. Those are the 10 things that I'm looking for, bare minimum, in order to ensure that I have the best chances of having a one call close. And the fastest that I've ever closed somebody on an initial call is 20 minutes. And, uh, that was back when I was at Traffic of Funnels. It was so interesting because this guy, he was a chess master and he wanted to create a coaching offer, teaching people how to get better at chess. His authority was already baked in. I have not uh, checked in on him, but um, interesting to see, you know, where he's at. But anyway, so like he came in, he was like, hey, uh, I want to do this thing. Um, I asked him the questions and he said, I'm ready to go. Offer closed in 20 minutes and I was blown away. So the reason why I was able to do that is because I had these things inside of my head, right? And the better you get, the more you'll be able to sync these things and just, it'll, it'll become, you know, just something that you do. So getting these questions and then also probing and clarifying under each one of these is going to help you to be able to close more deals and to be able to do it faster. And you're able to do it faster by having this special thing. And that is not taking a whole ton of notes. In fact, I don't really take any notes anymore on my sales calls. I just stopped. I used to take so much notes that I would be creating war and peace. 
um, like many novels, many biographies about each person that I talked to. And I was proud. I'd be like, look at all my wall of notes that I've taken of salespeople or excuse me, of prospects that I've talked to over the years. But then somebody told me, it's like, hey, I just don't take any notes. And I was like, what? Why not? Said, well, because you want to be actually looking at the person when you're talking to them. And when you're taking notes, your eyes go away from them and there's this disconnect. Have you ever been in a situation where you've been on a call and then somebody says something and then because you were taking notes, you're like, darn it. They're talking and I have no idea like what the context is for what they're saying right now. Oh, shoot. How am I going? You're in your head. How am I going to get back into this conversation and not look like an idiot? I've had those happen plenty of times in my 4,000 calls, right? But since I started to not take notes, I just sit and I be present with the person. Now, this doesn't mean that I don't take any notes. I take notes after the fact. But the thing is, is like when you talk to your friends, do you need to take notes on all the stuff you guys talked about? Or are you guys just having a natural conversation? The same thing can happen for your sales calls. And I tell you what, it will take the stress off of you because there's nothing like fiddling around with papers and be like, oh, who's the next person? And trying to get a new fresh sheet of paper out. Then just being totally relaxed, kicking back, and letting your process, these 10 things, be in the back of your mind so that you could be able to be present and fully serve that prospect. So I'll recap. What's the problem? What have you done to solve the problem? Why not do it yourself? Have you got help before? What would be the ideal criteria you're looking for in a solution? What are the tangible and emotional benefits? What is the cost of an action? Why do anything about this now? Go through the pitch and then handle objections. If you go through these first eight, you should not have any objections unless it's fear. And that's a whole different episode. I know I'm going to do an episode on fear. So you can check it out over here. And that's the episode. I'll dock it here. You guys have a good one. I'll catch you on the next one. Savvy.